Hello and thanks for listening. I'm Jude Hill and in this special series of podcasts I'll be in conversation with church leaders and invited guests. During 2021 we are marking the centenary of key moments in the partition of Ireland, the establishment of Northern Ireland and the changes that resulted in terms of British-Irish relationships. Throughout the year the leaders of the Church of Ireland, Catholic, Methodist and Presbyterian churches along with the President of the Irish Council of Churches have been reflecting together on the response and responsibility of churches on issues of identity and belonging past, present and future. As part of that work, they issued a joint statement on St. Patrick's Day. In that, they acknowledged that some may struggle with the concept of shared history when it comes to this centenary year, but they want to focus in on the reality of living in a shared space on these islands and how to make it a place of belonging and welcome for all. So as part of their contribution to the task of building that shared space, church leaders have developed this podcast series where they will discuss with their guests some of the identity-based challenges that have impacted our society in the past and continue to undermine social cohesion. They'll reflect on the challenges of leadership in this context and share their hopes for the future. Just to let you know, this conversation was recorded towards the end of the summer. With all of that in mind, I'm joined by the very Reverend Dr. Ivan Patterson, who's president of the Irish Council of Churches, and Avin and Chris from YouthLink. We'll chat to you guys in just a moment. Ivan, to get us started, bring us back to conversations around the St. Patrick's Day statement, which set the tone for the year. What was important to you personally in what was communicated? I think over the past year and a half, relationships within the church leaders has been so positive and very creative and we have been very honest with each other and I think that is a background of of realising that when we are open with one another, when we share our our fears as well as our hopes, it gives a sense of confidence then to, to be able to issue the statement and to speak into a situation from some degree of having experienced that because we do come from different uh, viewpoints and, 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 and different thoughts about 1921, was that good, was it bad? But I think what we felt was, what, however we look at that, we have to live together. Even though that we, we think the history, we, we differ maybe on how we view the history, nevertheless, we see that somehow we're going to have to live together. And it's how we can create space to allow people to be challenged by how we look to the future and to, if we can, engage in conversations that will help people to think things through. It's amazing how you discover that when you actually sit down and share with people that things, for me at least, things became clearer. I think we'll get to it later on. One of those major occurrences in my life was was about YouthLink and how coming from not a background that was anti-anything, but just to to engage with the other denominations. And for me particularly, the the Roman Catholic representatives on that, it was a really learning experience. And that sense of of sharing something that we wanted to do in the future, even though there were things from the past that could have been blockages, but we were able to look beyond them and to see what we could achieve. And I think that has something that has stayed with me. And so working with the church leaders, it has been good that actually society actually want to hear sometimes what we think. And so they want to engage with us. And so when we uh, produced the the Sympathetic Day statement, it was about how do we 
look forward? How do we deal with who we are? How can we work together? How can we encourage others? At the end of the day, we, you wonder, well, who wants to listen to church leaders? But I think we have a stage in one sense where we can be proactive, I think. In. Sometimes we find it hard to listen. We, we, we can be quite good at talking and maybe talking over people. And I think the challenge for me is to see how with a, a, a hope of making a better society that we can encourage people to consider these issues and for the common good, work together. And you talked at the start there about the hopes and fears that everyone brought into the year, yourself included. Was there a moment where you really had to face a fear that you had and, and push through and, and have a conversation or learn something new? I think we all come from our own backgrounds and we all have our own view of history. We have our own view of perhaps Northern Ireland and what happened. And I think it was really good to be made to realise, even though we knew it, maybe in the back of our minds, just to realise that there are different points of view and people see things differently than maybe I do. Uh, and although I had got to the stage, I suppose, in my life where I, I think that engagement with the denominations and across divisions, political, whatever, are so vital that uh, I saw it more, I suppose, as an opportunity. Uh, but it's, I suppose the challenge for me is how I can do something out there that will bring people together uh, and lead them to, to think through things and to make them wonder, what has the past been like? What can we do in the future? And, and how can we make something better as we look to the future? And before we move on to Avine and Chris, is there one moment that you will take away from this year that's uh, maybe a moment where you changed how you thought or, or something that you will carry with you in your ministry? I, I think... What I have discovered, again, I probably knew it, but it was reinforced, was just how necessary it is to be together and to be together in honesty and be able to express your views, even though some people may not agree with them. I think in our discussions within the, the church leaders meeting, that was the one thing, just the sense of honesty, which I think led to creativity and to the issuing of the, of the statement. Ivan, you have already referenced your history with YouthLink and with two young people here from the organisation. We mentioned you a couple of times now, Yavine and Chris, thanks for coming down. Um, Ivan, why did you invite these guys in, into the conversation and tell us about the theme that you want us to explore together? I was involved from the Presbyterian point of view uh, in the establishment of YouthLink NI. Again, those were very creative days. Uh, I remember the Secretary of State at that stage was Brian Mulwiney, and he was so keen that the churches would come together as a catalyst for something better in the future. And I remember him saying, you know, uh, once YouthLink was set up with the four main churches, he said, you know, this is unique. This doesn't happen anywhere else in the United Kingdom, and yet it happens here in Northern Ireland where it shouldn't. And I think that became a body that has been able to reach out to young people because... I mean, I'm retired and I think the future is in their hands. Hopefully some of us have a little bit to say yet, but I think we need to engage with, with our youth, bring them into those spaces where they can engage and talk and cross borders.
Coming to, to you, Evelyn and Chris as well then, how do you feel about the centenary year and you can take can you take us back to when you first started to engage with it? Are your thought were your thoughts different now than then? I suppose our work is involved in peace and reconciliation and we have young people coming from both sides of the community here in Northern Ireland and further afield. We have young people who are from Eastern Europe. We have young people from Portugal and the Portuguese speaking countries in Africa as well. So considering the centenary has an impact on us as workers, an impact on the young people and their families here in Northern Ireland and beyond. And noticing and recognising that the young people that we've been working with don't have a, a massive understanding or education on the past here in Northern Ireland and understanding the need to introduce that to them at a level that they're going to be able to understand and overcome the barriers with each other and sometimes that happens through conversation, sometimes it happens through teamwork activities and I love what Ivan had said, it's a lot of focus needs to be in listening and therefore we need to listen to the young people, hear where they're coming from, hear where they're at and then continue our work from there. Sometimes there's the opportunity to go ahead too far too quickly and that's why it's so important to, to listen and to take action from there. And Eivind, how did you spark the young people's interest then in the centenary conversations and what were they saying to you about what their thoughts were about it? As Chris said, all of our work is focused on building up young people and I think in the year that it's been with COVID and, and everything like that, I think so much of our work this year has actually been focused on supporting young people with what they need supported with in this year and journeying with them in that. So the centenary I suppose has reinforced why our work is important. It has reinforced the need to bring young people together and to to look at where their lives are together in this moment and uh, where they stand in their communities and how they can build a future together and um, and build a shared future together. And I think that has been something that we've both enjoyed in our work is bringing young people together from Protestant backgrounds, through Catholic backgrounds and from the other as well. Uh, we have such a broad range of participants from all across the world and it it has been really, really fascinating to work with them and bringing in those new voices into the conversation has been very, very important. And can you give us an insight into some of those conversations that happen when you create that shared environment and young people are engaging with the past and trying to work it into their, their present? What were, were some of the chats? Yeah, so we, we, we really love and enjoy creating that safe space for young people to be themselves in our youth setting. And sometimes that takes place on a sofa in a circle chatting about how our day or how our weeks have gone and that creates opportunities and and really significant glimpses into the lives of young people and we share of experiences of stories and of, of things going on in our lives and depending on the time of the year we have young people who are involved in marching bands um, who bring a completely new insight to life of some other participants who may be then depending on the year talking about ha having ashes on their forehead and I know Evie has a really powerful story of that so I may just move over to her yeah. and allow her to share that. Um, I think what you said there about reflecting on the past perhaps isn't so relevant about the young people mm. we work with it's more about their present mm -hmm. and what they're seeing in their towns and communities particularly those who have moved here from other countries for instance I can think of one young person from Poland who whenever her family moved here they were placed in housing in a predominantly Protestant area and she would attend a Catholic school. And through nothing, she was told by her parents or, or anything that directly happened with neighbours, she knew that she couldn't wear her school blazer walking home. 
and she never really understood why and but she just she knew she couldn't and so things like that and incidences like that that are happening in their, in their present are maybe more prevalent for these young people um i think what chris just said about ash wednesday so i would attend the ash wednesday service and and receive ashes on my forehead so attending then a session on a wednesday evening i would have dirt on my head <laughs> and um i i would just be very honest about about what's what's happened and what this is on my head and i would open the floor for discussion then um and it's really creating that safe space and we've built up a level of trust with our young people that they feel comfortable and confident to ask those questions and i think it's great even that they want to know perhaps before engaging in youth work they wouldn't have even been curious about it they would have just maybe just very dismissive of it so being able to i suppose offer insight into my tradition of why i receive that and why that's important to my faith and i suppose for the protestant young people to see that there are similarities in our faith and, and why that practice is important to me they could resonate that with their with their own beliefs and faith and from what you say and real life obviously segregation is is alive and well is it difficult to create shared spaces for young people it can be. I think there's no, there's no point in denying it can be. We have been working in the Portadown area for the last three years and fortunately we work with a youth centre that is very neutral and that's the regular, I think. If you, if you look at the mapping of youth centres in many towns in Northern Ireland, they're based in residential areas. So then by that nature, the young people who are attending will likely be from one community background. And there, there's great funding streams and great programmes to link youth clubs together. But those are short term and you've got summer projects that will link youth clubs and youth programmes together. But they're short term and not very sustainable. So the youth centre we've been working with and the projects that, that youth link run are very integrated and I think that's what's so important about this interchurch work is that it is bringing young people together from the start and their and their journey and together and those shared experiences I think are so so key to building that that shared future together and building a more peaceful and tolerant society. Yeah in a society where past violence has polarised and divided people and sectarianism and racism traps people in silos both physically and emotionally the challenge is to build healthy and inclusive relationships and to empower those relationships to creatively exist on the basis of hospitality, respect, trust and openness to see the good in each other. And without inclusive and sustainable relationships, I can't really see uh, a shared future or, or common good. Ivan, if we could come to you on the back of that, then that idea of shared space was something, spaces to engage, was mentioned in the church leader's statement. How can church leaders support this sort of work that is still so challenging at this stage? Is that something that churches are actively pursuing? Someone once said that uh, the work of peacemaking was the, the, the job of the enthusiast. Uh, and I think the one thing that we would want is for it not to be in the hands of a few, but that local churches can really would want them to come together and to give that safe space just to, because I think if it works from the ground up, and as the young folk here have been saying, as, as you are teaching people from a young age, working from that basis up into society as, as folk grow, I think it will mature and grow and develop. I think that that would be one of my hopes, that local churches of the different denominations would actually come together and want to talk about the centenary and talk about how they see the present and what their hopes might be for the future. Those local interactions can be safe spaces where people can 
feel they can be trusted and they can say what they, they need to say. And I think that's one thing the churches can do is to provide those forums. One of the other aspects of the statement was uh, the church leaders owning the fact that there have been failures when it comes to peace and reconciliation. Are churches now prepared to move beyond their own territories to, to create these spaces that young people need? That's an interesting question. I, I think there are churches who are moving forward in these things. Although I think there's a lot of work to be done because there's still a lot of suspicion. I think it's a misunderstanding of the gospel that so many still feel that the gospel is about is about redeeming individuals, whereas the, the good news of the gospel really is about not only being right with God, but being right with one another. And I think we still have a job of work to do to, to try and engage our leaders, church leaders, to, to take this on board. Um, and we're happy to facilitate them from the Irish Council of Churches to, to do this kind of work. Evening and Chris, when you look at the work you're doing um, and the challenges that young people are facing, what's hard for them at the moment um, that older generations may not be aware of? And, and I suppose what support um, do you need from, from churches to, to try and help young people? Well, I think the last year has been incredibly hard, obviously for, for everyone of all ages, but particularly for young people because they have missed out on so many of the experiences they should be getting at that age, whether that's socially being able to hang out with their friends, attend youth clubs, go on trips, residentials and everything like that. But then also in terms of school, in terms of exams, completing those assessments that they'd, they'd worked so hard for. And I know in the, in the past we've had a lot of young people very disappointed then with the results they would have gotten. So our work is really focused on each individual and a conversation with a young person would be very individual and very needs focused and the personal development that we've done with with young people has been so so important and very tailored to their needs whether that's helping them figure out how to move on from maybe something that's that's happened to them in the past or direct them into um, maybe courses or different sources of education or jobs it's that's been something I've really enjoyed about our work is kind of supporting and journeying with young people. Is there extra support Chris that would bolster you in trying to do this work and overcome some of these obstacles that young people have been battling with? Yeah I do truly believe that having a more collaborative leadership approach to youth work going on in, in churches and the statutory sector would, would be mighty. It would be helpful. And I think that would impact young people as well. I think young people in, in figuring out who they are in their identity and belonging can view leadership in being messy. It, it can be segregated in itself. And I think that is where you think has a real heart for collaborative leadership. And I, th I think it's a, it's a huge benefit having the link of the churches embedded within YouthLink helps us do what we do. And I believe that a, a, str a stronger connection with the leadership, both in the church sector and statutory sector, would uh, lead to, to future benefits to young people. So what would that maybe look like on the ground? Instruction, resources, finance and funding. Even touched on it earlier that a lot of the funding at the minute can be short term. And although they can be really effective, especially in certain times of the year, we long for the relationship with young people and relationship takes time. But as we've all discussed today, relationship is key in building for the future and building those sustainable, healthy relationships for the future, for a shared future and a common good. 
and even for young people to view leadership being joint up and collaborative, I think even that would be a benefit in itself. Mm. Do you think that's a real lack then? Because if you're not seeing it in the big picture uh, as much as you want to, that that actually does filter down to uh, young people? Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's so many things to view um, and we, we learn from our surroundings and we are influenced by, by so many things, by the media, by whatever's out there and by leadership especially. So I think that would be massive, mm. yeah. Ivan, do you want to respond to that point, just that call for greater involvement and, and leadership? I, I think from what we've heard from, from Chris and Amy is the fact that, you know, that there is a pattern there that really works uh, and there's maybe things there that we should be learning in the churches and how we, we present our youth work and in what we do. I know that in the past, the churches have obviously struggled themselves with their youth work and, and how that will be financed. And, and there is that difficulty then about going beyond that. But I think it's something that we really need to keep under review if there is the possibility of, of helping. I, I know that from meeting with other church leaders, Youth Link is valued. It's seen as really an integral part of the work of, of the churches. Uh, and I suppose we need to still, from the inside, talk through these issues and encourage the denominations. And perhaps we can do that a bit from, from the Irish Council of Churches to really be supportive, at least in promoting courses, learning from and working together with Youth Link. There's no sense of which... We, we want to distance ourselves from that. But again, as I've said, locally there are those issues that are purely denominational that sometimes take a, a lot of effort and maybe something like Youth Link is really a little bit further down the line. But I, I think we probably need the leg of these two to come and, and, and address us mm -hmm. and, and actually bring some of their enthusiasm. Uh, I, I think it's been very instructive just to hear what they're doing because I think they engage sometimes with, with a, a group or a strata of society that we're not in the churches actually touching. Uh, so so there, there's room for us all. Uh, and I think we really need to be encouraging and supportive uh, as best we can. And just to, to land our chat, Ivan, what are some of your hopes for the future based on what you're hearing and what you've seen this year and how do we build towards that? Hopes for the future. I, I just hope we can live together on this island. Uh, in fact, we talk about a shared island, but sometimes we need to talk about shared islands because we, we, we all need to somehow engage together because there are those competing ideologies that, that, that are there. My hopes is that certainly from a Christian perspective, that we would take seriously the gospel which speaks of our relationship with God but that works itself out in a relationship with other people. And thinking of the, the story of the Good Samaritan, I, I remember reading one commentator saying that when the question was asked, who is my neighbor? It was actually the wrong question because we shouldn't be asking who our neighbor is. Everybody ought to be our neighbor and, and everyone is, is the ones that we need to reach out to from wherever they come, whether they're churchgoers, whether they're secular, whether they're atheist, I think we all have a task of loving each other. That sounds a bit twee, I suppose, but I think if we, if we have a gospel aspect of loving, it's really about care, it's about compassion, it's about feeling, it's about encouraging, it's really about engagement. And Avine and Chris, same question just to round us off in terms of your hopes from what you're seeing um, in the work with young people. What, what gives you hope going forward? Um, I think in an ideal world, I would just love to see the normalisation of shared work. Chris and I 
working together for you know for three plus years and I think that even as an example right in front of young people to see um, two people coming together to deliver a piece of work it just normalised the bringing together of people and I think if that is carried on in a long-term and sustainable way I think that will be key for ensuring a good level and good interaction of youth work but that will then transfer into all spheres of life young people are growing up and um, if, if young people have, have shared experiences with other people that will then normalize that for themselves going on into say university into their workplaces and will just bring a more peaceful and united society. Chris? Yeah just to touch on exactly what Evan has said, just empowering those young people to be agents of change and to build a better and more sustainable future for themselves, future for young people to come after them and to normalise that shared work, education, shared future, uh, shared space and I love what Ivan said just about recognising that our neighbours are more than just our initial surroundings and our initial community and just to go above and beyond in loving our neighbours. I think one of my hopes for the future is in the likes of Chris and Davine, because I, I think it's been so helpful to hear how they not only have moved themselves, but how they have been able to engage others. And I think as, as our young people are led by folks like them uh, and are able to engage and work together, that gives me a great sense of hope. Chris, Eivine, Ivan, thanks so much for your time and your insights. This podcast series was supported by a grant from the Northern Ireland Community Relations Council. And just a reminder, this episode is part of a series of podcasts with church leaders as they reflect personally on this centenary year. So do check out the rest of those chats found on all the usual podcast platforms. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>